This is In Hindsight, Half a Century of Research Discoveries in Canadian History, presented by Dr. Donald B. Smith and produced by the Ontario Historical Society. This um, old-fashioned radio is it's very, very exciting to me, and, and it's a wonderful occasion to look back and in approximately 20 episodes, just review my great research discoveries over half a century. It's been that long, and looking back, it's sort of things fall into place, and I thought really the best way to begin because it's all about me, at least the beginning, was to start with the two pivotal moments. And uh, so the first two episodes are basically um, how I came to Calgary. And it's Calgary. Calgary makes me. It's Calgary. does it. The University of Calgary, Department of History. I got this wonderful job. I was there for 35 years and enjoyed it immensely. Great privilege. And I had support for my interest in Canadian history, good students, just incredible. Time out in the summer, and there were sabbaticals. It was really fantastic. And I must say, that's episode one without any question for me. It's University of Calgary made me. So let's start there. That'll be episode one. And then episode two will, will slip into the big transformation which actually took place before I came to Calgary in 74. And I was an internationalist. My interest in history was world history until the marvelous, exciting summer of 1968. Uh, Yes, 68, the year after Expo 67, which I had the good fortune to work at uh, as a guide at the Ontario Pavilion. Uh, After that, 67, next year, 68, that's when the transformation came. And I, I changed my interest from always stayed interested in the world, but primarily my interest became my own country. So that that's the background. Chapter, episode one, we're going to do Calgary, and that's 1974 when I arrived here. Um, um, introduction to things here in in Calgary, and uh, the first part, the, sorry, the second episode will be dealing with the transformation. Just, just a couple of years before I came. Uh, from international interest to primarily Canadian. So let's go. Uh, I'd like to begin then, episode one, which really centers on one individual. And I must say, let's let's not go into this with any illusions. I am primarily a biographer. That's what I love in Canadian history. I please <laughs> teaching at university, you have to do all kinds of things. But uh, research-wise and writing, uh, always very strong interest in biography. So, what are we going to do in this first episode? Well, of course, we're going to take a biographical look at one of the most extraordinary people I ever met, and that is George Self. And George Self was the founder of the history department at the University of Calgary, and I'll tell you his story in what follows. And he and I had a bridge. When I first arrived here in 1974, and I'm not going to tell you immediately, I'm going to hold back on that one. But George and I, the neophyte just beginning his career, and the seasoned gladiator, the 
professor who was ending his career, we had a common bridge. And I'll tell you that. That's sort of the the, the center of this episode. But first, I'll just uh, explain that, well, that's I, the preliminaries. I, I arrived here in August of 1974, and um, I was good. I was fortunate because our founder, the history department was founded in 1947, and the founder was still teaching, George Self. He was had two more years to go, and I knew him. I talked with him a number of times. And um, George was from Nova Scotia. His dad was a telegraph operator in Canso, Nova Scotia. And in ancient days, the telegraph, the North Atlantic telegraph, went over um, from via Newfoundland to Nova Scotia, to Canso, that's near Cape Breton Island. And his dad came from Britain, and he was a, a telegraph operator there for a number of years. And his mom was a teacher. So George grew up in Canso, in Nova Scotia. Um, and it was there, he did his primary education. And later on, he went on, good student, who went on to Dalhousie. Uh, excuse me, no, King's College. King's College, which is affiliated with Dalhousie University, King's College in Halifax. So his uncle actually was the, the principal of, of King's College. So there was a personal link. And he studied there. He was born 1910. And uh, George studied there in late 1920s. Um, did, again, was wondering though, didn't um, wonder what, what's next, and decided a career in education. So he, his mother, his dad died. And uh, his mother had remarried and moved to Montreal. So in in late twenties, George uh, transferred from King's College to Macdonald College, that's the McGill's Faculty of Education, and there he did his teacher training. George had learned French. It's very insistent on the importance of, of learning French, especially since he was living in Quebec. And he applied himself to other languages too. When he did his PhD, he had to have a knowledge of German and Italian for the topic, which I'll tell you about shortly. And he, he mastered those, uh, just a reading knowledge, mind you. But with French, he really worked at it and uh, was fluent and at ease, uh, of course, reading and writing to a certain extent. Uh, so George then is now established in Quebec in the Protestant school system, the English language Protestant school system. And he taught a number of, of in a number of schools in Quebec, including one, incidentally, in northern Quebec, Manawaki, uh, which is very close to um, an Algonquin reserve, First Nations reserve. But he didn't have any contact really with First Nations people. That was just um, an aside. That large community was near the town of Manawaki. But he, he also taught in Montreal. And, um, well, this man is a perpetual learner, always <laughs> like a blotter. He just wanted information and history and what have you. George, when he was in Montreal, he started an MA. And his field, chosen field was English history, English political history, early 19th century. Uh, he completed that. And, um, and really, he, he loved it so much. He, he And he, the joy of his life at this point was he got to do a half-year research in London, England, at the British Museum and the Public Record Office to complete his thesis. It's on the Chartist, uh, early 19th century political 
group in in England. Uh, so that was that was great. Now he he's he's going to these he's, well, he has to make a living, so he's teaching and all, and sometimes in well, Manawaki was fairly isolated. That was after Montreal, uh, but he kept the dream alive of further study, and he applied and was accepted to the University of Chicago, a very distinguished school. So that's quite a compliment, quite a feather in his cap. So George uh, went to Chicago. Now, how is he going to support himself? It's 1939. You know, that's the beginning of the war for us. And America enters two years later, 1941. These are tough years. In, In Chicago, he's got to pay for his studies. So what did he do? He was a night clerk in a hotel. Incredible. A year and a half. And after that, to pay for his studies, he became, uh, well, planning rail routes for the major railroad and uh, railway uh, in, in, in Chicago. He planned the rail routes for them. Um, so those were his jobs and uh, progresses with his MA, uh, with his PhD, excuse me, his MA is completed. Now, this is where, I think that's where I'm going to tell you the secret. George and I shared one common, well, definitely, right from the outset, there was one common interest. I found him, he's an eccentric. I found him very, very appealing. But what we were, sort of the real talk that we had at the beginning was about the subject of his PhD thesis. Now, this is really, really a long shot, but it's it's true. There's no fabrication with this one. George... In 1939, when he arrived in Chicago, he had, didn't have a thesis topic. But he told me, this is a personal story, um, uh, he said that well, he was walking down the street in Chicago shortly after arrival, and um, he saw the uh, newspaper headings, uh, Italian, Italy invades Albania. Now, Albania is a small country east of Italy, north of Greece, a small country, only became independent in 1912. It was part of the Turkish Empire, the Ottoman Empire. And it's a very um, small country, very complex, very interesting one. But George, he he saw this article, these headlines, and uh, Italy invades Albania. George said to himself, Albania, I know nothing about Albania. I'm going to study that. So that's what he did. He did his PhD thesis on the foreign relations of Albania. <laughs> Just an incredibly uh, specialized topic. Um, and he had he had a reading knowledge of, well, French he was quite competent in, and then uh, reading knowledge acquired of Italian and German. So George did his thesis. Now, what's the commonality? I've been teasing you with this. Now let's come out, put it all, bring it all forward. Um, I had uh, shared an interest in that because in high school, I'd done a report in grade 10. I did a report on Albania. <laughs> no, it seems absolutely impossible that this was the case, but it's true. And to prove it, I still have my report. <laughs> no kidding. It was actually on Yugoslavia and Albania. And unfortunately, the two Albanian manuscripts that I completed for this class report are gone, but the Albanian one miraculously survives. Well, George and I had uh, conversations about that, and uh, it was, he just was, he was fun, he was different. Um, he, he, but incidentally, I'll insert this at this point, he never published. Uh, that's, of course, that, this is old school, this is old, a different, a different atmosphere in a university. Um, and I'll explain his context in a minute, but uh, it was just, but so well read in so many sectors and all. Now back to though, we just got his PhD. It's 1943. George joins the Canadian Navy, and uh, he's back in Canada and uh, spends uh, three years in in the Royal Canadian Navy in Halifax. 
And there he is. Uh, what's uh, he's a, a, It's called a writer. Most appropriate for him because he's very articulate and well read. He became a writer. That meant he did the correspondence for the commander at, um, at, at Halifax headquarters, uh, Canadian uh, Royal Canadian Navy. The commander he was the writer um, and helping there. But he does also George Trenbull. He's also an extra man with. Harbor Freight, Halifax in the late, uh, well, in the late part of the war, and that's 43 to 45, very great labor shortage. And so George, he became, he helped in the, in the, in the, in the harbor unloading freight. That was, he had his day, day job of being a writer with the Navy, but he also helped out by doing freight um, for two years. Well, war ends, thank heavens. And, um, George, he worked with the archives in Nova Scotia, actually, for a year. But news came of a job, a job at a university, well, University of Alberta, and it was a new posting. The University of Alberta had expanded. It had taken over the normal school or teacher training college in Calgary, and it had, the normal schools, it was called, had now become the Calgary branch of the University of Alberta Faculty of Education. So they advertised for a job, and well, George he married. He had, he had a large family, and um, well, eventually, be seven children. So, well, he just didn't have time for further study. He wanted to go back to London and study Slavic uh, studies, uh, Eastern Europe, uh, uh, Central Europe. Uh, he wanted to, but he couldn't. He had to. He had to, of course, naturally. <laughs> family comes first. So he uh, applied and got the job in Calgary. So, wow, quite a transfer. Halifax out to Calgary. Alberta then had 800,000 people. Calgary had 100,000. That's approximately, what would that be? Seven or 8% of what it has now, over a million. So he comes to this small town, and but he's there for the big explosion. George comes in 47. That's the year of the Duke discovery, oil discovery up north near Edmonton. And what happened in Calgary was we had the headquarters for the oil companies because of a previous strike at Turner Valley, south of Calgary. So the headquarters were here. The oil field was up near Edmonton, but the headquarters are here and they stayed here. So Calgary goes, uh, it's not a, uh, still Turner Valley a bit, but the real field is the Duke, but, uh, but the headquarters of the oil companies are here. So we're getting a terrific spinoff from this. And uh, the oil and gas boom just takes off shortly, late, six, late 1940s, early 50s, and Calgary oil and gas capital of Canada. Uh, just, uh, and and uh, George is all part of that. Now, what kind of a man was he? Well, he was open-minded. He was an internationalist. And this is, once he got into Calgary, he was, uh, he was assigned to, well, he started the history department, but he also taught economics, well, quite a combo. Uh, George, and also he pushed international affairs a great deal in town. This was a very provincial city in, in the late 40s, and George did his best to correct that. One of the outstanding, remarkable things he did was there was a considerable anti-Japanese climate in Alberta, well, across Canada because of the war at, and in 47, 48, still remained. Well, but George, he didn't, he wasn't, he was, well, it just had nothing, it said nothing to him. He was against all that. He was an internationalist and um, a young artist, uh, Roy Cayuca, who had come down, he'd, they, his family had been 
sent away from Calgary, shipped up to a farm in, uh, in the early 1940s after the the Second World War escalates to the Pacific, and the Japanese were were sent away from urban areas. Um, in, it was in BC, but also in Alberta. His family had been sent up north Alberta, and Roy, though, wanted to be an artist. And in 1946-47, he applied to the art college in Calgary, and he got in. Now, where is he going to stay? There's this is a tough one. Well, George rented a room to him. That was that's remarkable. And Roy always was grateful for that and remembered so well how good George was and how George opened up his record library to Roy. And that's when Roy says, Roy, Roy later, his brother Harry told me, said this, that's where Roy learned about jazz and became an aficionado. It, George loved jazz. He loved music, all kinds, but jazz was a particular interest. So, uh, here we got an internationalist, man of the world, um, just incredible. Now, once George gets here, he, he was not, um, uh, well, what do we say, company man? He wasn't, he spoke for, he thought and spoke for himself. He was um, very um, antagonistic to the way the University of Alberta tra uh, treated the Calgary branch and wanted, George wanted independence. He wanted full control. And uh, that, uh, so he, little friction there. Also, he had a bit of a struggle with the bureaucracy. Uh, the administration of the Faculty of Education, Calgary branch, at one point in the late 40s said that instructors, male instructors, and they're almost all male then, had to wear a jacket and tie before, for their classes. George rebelled. <laughs> he wore a T-shirt under a jacket. That's the kind of guy he was. It just uh, endearing, endearing. Uh, and so, anyways, that's there's a portrait of him uh, with his jacket and his T-shirt, which makes it all real. So, again, though, he's an internationalist. And he's promoting international talks in Calgary and whatnot, but he's also going on site. In 1949, uh, must have had an early sabbatical, he went to Africa and traveled around Africa. I remember him telling me about this. Um, I think it was an early, he was able somehow to go by plane to a lot of these places. This is a pretty early aviation tour of Africa. Um, and I remember clearly he was so excited, energized by these huge political assemblies in Ghana where uh, it was then called the Gold Coast, which was on its way to independence. And this was similar to in Nigeria and the other, other countries. So it's on the, Africa's on the edge of ending colonialism and becoming independent. So very, very exciting. So George translated that into his teaching. His teaching was, um, um, well, Britain, Europe, Canada, and um, also is, is really Africa. He, he developed a, a teaching specialty in that. But it, it really was, as I, as I mentioned earlier, he really was not uh, writing. It was a, he had too many students. I mean, this is a, a faculty of education. Student load is lower, very high. He's got seven kids and you know, he's got a huge family. Um, it, it just it just didn't work. So his contribution, and, and but he did a major contribution in building up the library. Um, so it's a different era. And uh, George contributed greatly to stimulating um, interest in history and international affairs and the economics too, in the city in those early years. He was great with students. He really was. He, um, <laughs> one of the old timers told me that he would have, um, well, George would invite students over to his place, he and his wife, and they'd um, listen to records. Uh, George had um, came out with uh, 
brought forward his homemade wine, and they'd have a merry time. Some students stayed till dawn, at which time his wife brought out breakfast for them. What now that is that a university? It just seems so much fun. Uh, it was that, that it just was like that. And always uh, when the Hungarian um, refugees came in 1956, he and his wife. Um, uh, provided housing for three of them in their own home. And um, George and a colleague taught English uh, special courses uh, for Hungarian refugees in those difficult years at the beginning, 56. Well, history department, quickly, it expands. It, um, Calgary, the university goes from, well, faculty of education, University of Alberta, it grows from several hundred. Uh, and eventually the government of Alberta allows for an expansion. It becomes, there's an arts faculty in 51, in, uh, followed by phys ed in uh, faculty of physical education in 1956, uh, faculties of commerce and science in 1957. It becomes a much larger institution. Uh, by 1960, it's about a thousand students. And another appointment was made to the history department and George can stop and he is able to, he stops teaching economics at that point. And it's just history. Um, and he's got a colleague, Friedel Hyman, who was a, a refugee actually from well, Nazi Europe. Uh, he was a specialist on Central U Europe and uh, had a, a really a great reputation. He, he joins George in the department, and the others follow. Bob Shields, Canadian history. He came uh, shortly after that too, and I, I knew Bob. Uh, it's just it's growing. That's that's the point, and it's growing to the point. In 1974, I, I come, and uh, gosh, there's over 20 instructors by that point. So I was in there just at the. Just the whole thing is just expanding and going so well. Now, George is a teacher. He was um, he was good. He had very good enrollments. The, his origins of World War One, World War Two courses were particularly popular. So he was a popular instructor. But it was different in that, for example, when he was dealing with in the World War One course, uh, which of course has to go up to 1914, uh, George would very rarely get by. The mid nineteenth century, <laughs> like he's, he he just doesn't so much information. He's not he's not he's just falling short in the with the timeline. But his students, the student had told me about this, they they still it was thought provoking, and he and he covered the major issues, and so they they liked him a lot. And but there was a joke that if you took a course with George, you were self taught. Isn't that fun? Self-taught. And the old-timers who had had his courses, they'll still tell you that. Yes, they they were self-taught. So, George, what is, now we're getting near the end. He's um, kept at it, um, uh, building this department, very strong and building, building up the library. But still, he remains essentially the same person in that that international interest is there. And uh, also, Canadians, very interesting in Canada. When René Levesque came, Tarek Ishmael, a young instructor in political science, invited René Levesque, then a young opposition member in the uh, Quebec government, uh, Quebec legislature, to come to Calgary. René Levesque, founder later, a couple of years later, founder of the Parti Québécois, and so uh, he invited him. And George, of course, was in on it. So uh, he loved, and they talked. René Levesque and George had a great time. in 1971, the time of his visit. Well. I arrived in 1974, and I had the good pleasure of knowing George till 70, as a colleague till 76. Then he retired. He had um, uh, some health issues and had to, uh, in assisted living, actually, uh, on 
the late 70s and early 80s until he passed away in 1985. I had the good fortune to visit him a number of times. And, um, well, he made the best of this. He's still reading and uh, doing his best to keep up. But uh, unfortunately, this health card came up. Um, overall, I was so blessed. Uh, uh, stimulating individual and uh, a great internationalist. And of course, I had become a Canadianist, but I still remained very interested in the world. And episode two is about how I became a Canadianist. Let's go.